The other thing that you are grieving after you realize what this relationship truly is, is the loss of self, is that you truly, through this process, feel like you have lost who you were, right? Through the abuse, you may feel a lot of self-doubt, a lot of shame. You used to be this confident person, and now you have no idea where that person went, Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. I'm sure at some point, maybe even now, today, you are thinking, why can't I get over this? Why can't I get over him? What is wrong with me? Well, we are going to talk about one of the reasons why you can get stuck in this healing process. And there's several reasons why you can't just get over it, but we're going to talk about one of those today. I'm Sybil Cummin, and thank you for listening to the Rising Beyond podcast. And so today we're actually going to be talking about grief. You know, if you've had those thoughts of, oh, why can't I just get over this? This is ridiculous. I know I deserve better. And maybe you're with your friends and family. And even if they don't say it, even if they don't ask that question, you see the eye rolls or you can just tell You're driving them crazy by continuing to talk about the relationship, to talk about your abusive ex, to, you know, be really sad and tearful a lot of the time. And you just want this healing process to be over. And I wish it was that easy. I really wish that, you know, there's this magic wand or step one, step two, step three, and all done you are completely over and have fully accepted the relationship as it was and you're moving on. It's not that easy. And so we are going to talk about how grief and loss really get us feeling stuck and keep us holding on or kind of trudging through the healing process. So anytime there is a loss of a relationship, does not have to be an abusive relationship. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of a romantic partner, friendship. doesn't really matter. There's going to be some grief with that. And it looks different when you're looking at domestic violence and narcissistic abuse. And you know what? Most of the time when I am working one-on-one with someone or in the Rising Beyond community and group, they don't necessarily miss their partner. That's not really what they're missing. That's not where the grief is. 
but there is this sadness. And so we really look at what are you grieving? Because most of the time people don't even like their partner. They haven't liked their partner for years, potentially. And so it has nothing to do with who your partner truly is. It is something different. So some of the grieving that you're experiencing is actually grieving the loss of the dream, the dream of what could have been. And this is really coupled with your grieving the loss of a person who wasn't real, right? You fell in love with a fictitious character. Your partner was not who they said they were. They were wearing a mask. And so the person you fell in love with never existed. And so this makes it really difficult to grieve that. And you're grieving a dream that you had of what the relationship was going to look like in the future. Maybe it was marriage, living together with 2.5 children, cat, dog, white picket fence, whatever that was. Maybe they talked about traveling abroad with you and you're going to travel all over the world or having a successful business and you never having to worry about finances or getting your needs met. Whatever they painted for you, whatever picture they painted for you, and then continued to paint for you as a way to hoover you back in or during that, you know, if you look at the cycle of violence, which a lot of people do not like the cycle of violence, but people know the cycle of violence, but people call it like the honeymoon period, which is abuse. So it's still abuse, even though it doesn't look like it on the cycle. But whatever that picture they painted for you was was never real. It was never going to happen. So you are grieving this daydream that felt 100% real, that they made you feel was real and accurate and would happen if you just were better, if you just right did what they wanted, if you could be a better wife, a better mother, whatever it was. It wasn't real. The other thing that you are grieving after you realize what this relationship truly is, is the loss of time, right? Think of how long you've been with your abusive partner or how long you did spend with them. And it feels like you lost two years, five years, 20 years, and that it feels like a complete loss because it wasn't real. And then the other piece that maybe is even bigger is the loss of self, is that you truly, through this process, feel like you have lost who you were, right? Through the abuse, you may feel a lot of self-doubt, a lot of shame. You used to be this confident person, and now you have no idea where that person went. Maybe you lost a career, because they did not want you to work. And they, right in that painted picture, you get to stay at home and I will take care of you. But in reality, it was due to financial and economic abuse that they did not want you to work, right? Creating that barrier so you couldn't leave. 
Maybe you feel like you lost who you wanted to be as a parent or that your children have lost innocence because of what they've experienced. Or maybe in worst case scenarios, you lost your children. You lost your children to the system. You lost your children throughout custody related things, whatever it might be. There's so much to grieve with these relationships. And so that, if you can't kind of walk through or trudge through, it's not walking through, it's really trudging through the swamp that is grief, it's really difficult to heal. And so, yes, sometimes it just takes time to heal. So if you haven't heard of this or or don't know a lot about the grief process, there are stages of grief that I want to talk about because they may look a little bit different if you're healing from domestic violence or narcissistic abuse, one of these toxic relationships, then they would if you had someone in your family die or pass away or lost for other reasons. So the stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. So I want to break these down a little bit more and let you know what I've seen in working with survivors for the last decade plus on what it can look like or what it typically looks like within that healing process from domestic violence. So if we look at denial, wow, this is a huge piece early on as you are just learning and just realizing, you know what, there's something wrong. And I can't put my finger on it. And maybe you are, you know, on the internet or someone sent you a resource or something, a family or friend, and you hear the term domestic violence or narcissistic abuse for the first time. No, no, there's no way that's my relationship. There are good times. Or maybe you're thinking, nope, I've never been hit. So it's not domestic violence or whatever it might be. And so as you gain more information, It makes it a lot harder to deny what's going on. And it is also, you know, the increase of denial happens because of gaslighting, right? And the cognitive dissonance that you're holding on to because of, you know, that conditioning of, you know, my value system is this and yet I'm doing that. And so when we are in that state of cognitive dissonance where our behavior doesn't really match our values or we have two really opposing beliefs or thoughts, we lean one way or the other. And very often we lean towards only remembering and seeing the positive things about our partner. And that's due actually to a trauma bond, which is a whole nother episode that could be three or four episodes, actually. So we will get to that another another time. But that a trauma bond also keeps you stuck and is part of that denial. And it makes it really difficult to move out of that denial piece. And then once you realize, wow, this is an abusive relationship, then you have to have that moment of realizing that your partner is nothing of who they said they were and that you were duped. And that feels horrible 
to realize that you've been scammed. And so denial will hop right in there. So anger, anger actually with domestic violence and actually with all the stages, right? You don't like do one stage and check it off and then move to anger and check it off and move to bargaining and check it off. That's not how grief and loss works. But with domestic violence or survivors of, I see anger starting later in the process than if you are grieving someone who passed away. And it comes in waves. And so the reason it seems to come later on in the process is because throughout your relationship, you've learned it is not safe to be angry. It's not safe to show anger because the consequences of doing that is abuse from your partner. And so you really lose touch with that and your ability to show that. And so I see anger coming later on in the process. But when it comes, it is huge. And it can be overwhelming and flooding for a lot of the women and men I work with. One, because they haven't been able to express that or experience that. And two, because there's a lot for you to be angry about. And then when we look at bargaining, so what does that actually mean? The way I see it with survivors is that it always seems to be present kind of in the background or underneath as you are going through all of these stages. And what I see it really as is like all of those could'ves, should'ves, would'ves, ruminating, kind of those ruminating thoughts of what you could have done differently and the anxiety around that, a lot of judgment, a lot of shame. I see a lot of that within survivors of, you know, toxic and abusive relationships. And so bargaining, it doesn't to me seem like this one stage or even that it comes in, you know, waves like anger does. It just really feels like it's consistently underneath the whole process. And this is one of the really difficult pieces to work through because shame is really hard to work through. And shame is really the bread and butter of your abusive ex. And they use shame to keep you and to keep you broken. So that's a huge area of healing that you need to kind of work through. So depression, I really see that related to the loss of self and kind of not knowing what that next step is. It's really when you go into that dorsal vagal state, which if you don't know what I'm talking about. There is an episode on the nervous system that goes through all the different nervous system states. But the dorsal vagal state is really when you are disconnected and frozen. And it feels like you can't do anything, right? Doing the smallest things are difficult. It really is that one foot in front of the other to kind of get out of that state. But depression isn't talked about as much, I think, with domestic violence and healing from it because anxiety and fear really take precedence and that trauma. But depression is oftentimes there. And then last but not least, acceptance. Radical acceptance is hard. 
accepting that you've been scammed, accepting that the system is not set up to support you, accepting that you may have to share your children with this person for, you know, until your children are 18 or even beyond that, that you will have to have contact maybe with this person due to family court, that you cannot just get rid of them in your world. And you know what? As I'm thinking about that, that is one of the reasons it is so difficult to work through this grief process. If you could go no contact with your abusive ex, you will heal so much quicker. And you will go through this and move through this grief process much quicker. And many of you don't have that luxury because you share children and family court says, yes, you need to co-parent with this person. So that makes it really difficult. So we've talked about this is what the grief looks like. This is what I've really seen it look like in survivors. What can we do about it? Are there any things that you can do or do I just have to sit in this and wait and bide my time? No, there are some ways to speed up this process, become stronger as you do it, and quote unquote, get over it or move on. There are ways to do that. And so I want to share just some simple things that you can do to start moving through your grief. Number one is accepting and allowing any of the feelings that are headed your way, right? Sitting in them. And they may not be what you expect them to be. And you may not realize what you're feeling in that moment, but really allowing yourself to feel it. Now, I'm not saying you know, allow yourself to be a complete hot mess all moments of the day, because that's not functional. That's not going to help you. So there might be times where you need to compartmentalize and put your feelings to the side while you are at your job, while you are helping your child with schoolwork, whatever, you know, there are times where it's not helpful to have it in your face all the time, but there needs to be some intention to allow them to come. If you have the time and space and you're in a safe place and you feel like crying, allow yourself to cry. If you are in that safe place and you're angry, be angry. Tear up a newspaper. Break pencils. That's one of my son's favorite is to break pencils when he's angry. Kind of annoying, however. But find safe ways to show anger right? Allow yourself to sit in it. And if you're not sure what it is, listen to your body. Listen to yourself. Journal, what am I feeling? What is this feeling? And if you do some um, just kind of brain dumping about that, you will probably come to some clarification about what you're feeling. Another thing that you can do is to see anger in a different light. This is something that I love to see in the women I work with is when they can see anger as progress because they are safe and they are no longer in denial and they understand what they've gone through. Anger can be very powerful. So if anger feels scary to you or if it feels like you're moving backwards because you're angry, 
I actually see anger as progress. Another thing that you can do is being really mindful of where you are, what your mindset is when you are making decisions. So it is not typically a good idea to make decisions, big decisions, when you are in a huge, intense emotional state. That's not typically the best time to make these big decisions. That's not the time to write back to your ex after they've sent you an email or a message in your co-parenting app. It's not a decision, you know, not a great time to make a job decision or any major decisions. And so being really mindful of what state am I in right now, if you have really intense emotions, what do you need to do to become a little bit more regulated before you make these decisions? And how can I, again, kind of right now I need to put these emotions or this thought to the side so I can make this decision with some rational thought? Because when we're not in our wise mind or our owl mind, because we are in you know, our nervous system or um, in fight or flight or freeze, it makes it really hard to make good decisions. So finding a way to, again, get regulated, put that to the side so you can make a decision. And I wish I could tell you you won't have a lot of decisions to make, but you do. <laughs> in the aftermath of an abusive relationship, especially if you have kids, you have a lot of decisions to make. And so just being really mindful of that so that you're not beating yourself up later for a decision you made. Another really important and sometimes simple way to help you through the stage, you know, get you through the stages of grief to acceptance is being with safe people. Now, this doesn't mean you have to share everything going on with you and use your family and friends as a therapist or use your attorney as a friend or a therapist, right? It's using safe people within their lane, within their scope. So I highly recommend as you heal from an abusive relationship to find a therapist who is well-educated in working with survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, and they are trauma-informed so that you do have a place to do that healing work. But that's, you know, one hour a week or whatever you're going to do therapy-wise may not be enough. And so just having safe people around you will help you move through these stages. They don't have to have advice. You don't have to talk about important things. They just need to be in your presence. And that's going to help you move up that polyvagal ladder to ventral vagal where you feel safe and secure and connected. And then the last tip that I'm going to offer you, which hopefully your eyes don't roll because sometimes I know mine start to, is really focusing on self-care and self-compassion, giving yourself grace. And when I'm talking about self-care, I am not talking about the mani-pedi. If you have some time and finances and you love getting a manicure, pedicure, massage, go for it. But I'm actually talking about the practical things of self-care that we don't really think about. So getting good nutrition, getting good sleep, 
right? Moving your body, doing some stretching when you're feeling really tense, right? All of those basic daily things that we let go to the wayside when we're extremely stressed or when we don't feel safe. All of those things are really important as you move through this. And then again, offering yourself grace through this process because you've been through the ringer and it's going to take some time to heal from that. So as you move through this process, I hope this is helpful, just giving you some insight and understanding of why it seems like this is taking so long and then some actionable steps that you can do and focus on to help you move through it. So thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts, please reach out. You can email me if you'd like to, even at info at risingbeyondpc.com. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, wherever. Just take care of yourselves, and I hope that we can move through this together. If you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community, where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.